Puck out at the right point, Theodore. Lefty looks left. In the circle, a shot, save, a rebound shot. Rebound, they score! At the side of the net, an opening and a finish. Vegas takes a two to one lead. 90 seconds into the third, Jack Eichel. Water the outside left, up top, Petrangelo gets the tip, they score! William Carlson! Vegas with a power play goal. Three to two Golden Knights. It took them just 13 seconds. Across the red line, into open ice right wing. Petrangelo shooting off the outside of the post, but the clock runs out, the game is over. Vegas wins on opening day. Final score, Golden Knights four, Kings three. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Golden Knights have their home opener tonight. They take on the Chicago Blackhawks game two of the season. You can hear it over on our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace will have the pregame intermission and postgame show, and you'll be able to hear that. Uh, tonight, game two of the season after they got the win over the L.A. Kings to start the season. And joining us now, the head coach of the Golden Knights, Bruce Cassidy. Good morning. How are you morning, today, Bruce? Hi, Ed. Hi, Tyler. How are you guys? Good, good. We are good this morning. All right. Uh, I have an important question for you. Would you consider wearing a completely gold suit on the gold carpet today? I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear a gold tie. How's that? Okay, just the gold tie. That's All good. right, uh, another question. That I'm, I'm going to assume based on your answer, you're going to pass on this as well. We saw, I think it was Jonathan Marcheseau last year. He wore uh, shorts with his suit. Would you ever ah, consider wearing yeah, uh, I like that. I like that shorts. better. I like you do? Okay. Yeah. 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 It's a little, little hot outside. And you're not going to see me in it, but I like it better anyway. <laughs> I'll leave that to the players. <laughs> um. So you guys play the first game of the season uh, in L.A., second game at home here in Chicago. But I wanted to ask you one thing in particular. So I know there are a lot of uh, power plays in that game against L.A. that contributed to this, but just the forward groups at five on five, Paul Cotter had the most ice time. Uh, what have you liked about Paul Cotter to give him that much ice time in the first game of the season? Uh, I think their line was good. Um, you know, we were trying to start them in games and, and – uh, you know, get them off on the right foot, some puck possession. So uh, he certainly earned that. I think that was more even strength um, ice time. You know, I think, you know, the other guys certainly got their, their share, the guys that kill and play in the power play. So it's just a matter of uh, Kolasar doesn't play a lot of uh, special teams either. So um, when power plays were up or penalty kills were done, that, that line came over the boards a lot to try to reestablish momentum. That's what we're hoping out of that line to uh, to do that and, go grind away in the other end, wear teams down, and they did a really good job with it up in uh, L.A. Uh, Mark Stone, and obviously his health is uh, paramount to uh, what he can do, and everyone talks about the goal he had, but can you talk about why it's paramount to have him, everything he does and how, how important he is uh, in ways other than you know scoring game-winning goals? Well, he plays in all situations, right? So uh, power play, he's a real good net front guy and makes plays, scores from there. Uh, we want to get him back on the PK now that he's healthy, uh, be part of that rotation. He's got such a great stick and anticipates plays. So, um, and then the five-on-five, five, obviously. So, and he's your captain, right? So you want him in a good place. Um, I just think there's there's too much value there to you know to not have him going in every in, in every area. So a big plus for us, and I think every team would say that, right? With when 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 your top players are going and they're they're feeling it, 
they're going to be a better team, and, and we're no different. How much do you look at in individual games getting specific matchups for different lines and, and with the Paul Cotter line, the fourth line there, like having them be able to steal some minutes against a first or second line so that Jack Eichel's line or Mark Stone's line can get a little bit more favorable matchups against some of the other bottom lines of other teams? Yeah, I think it's more about not uh, ruining your chemistry and your rhythm of the game. And if, and if they want to try to disrupt that by putting a certain line out, we, we just want to roll through our four lines, trusting them all, knowing they can do the job no matter who goes out there, right? So, I mean, I have no problem playing Jack Eichel against Kopitar, whoever the top center is. Tonight, if it tays, you know, I think Jack would relish that matchup. So would Stevenson. I mean, we know Carl's can play against anybody, but I don't want to chase it either, right? So guys are sitting and waiting, and, and then they lose kind of their flow of the game. So that, that's the purpose behind that on the road especially. Um, I think everyone always feels better if they're, they're staying in the game. And obviously situational, we use the players that, that can excel in, in certain instances more than others. But in general, that's, that, that's why, how I'd like to run it. Can you grade for us Logan Thompson's first game? And my assumption is you'd love him to grab this job over the next however many weeks or month and, 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 and be the guy. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, we obviously have competition going into this year with Robin's injury. Uh, Logan had the leg up, I thought, simply because of experience. He'd been in front of this group and played well late last year. Um, we're playing a little different style of play, so that's probably the same for everybody. And Hill comes in, uh, certainly uh, opportunity for him. Brassois still injured, so he's he'll be a little late to to the competition. But we'll we'll hopefully get an opportunity to sort of get into that. But at the end of the day, yeah, we'd we'd love it if Logan stepped up and was the guy. I think it's a lot to ask most goaltenders now in the NHL to play that 60-65 game schedule. I think there's very few that do that. So we're not going to ask him to, to play that, but maybe 60% of the workload, if he could handle that, would be great, especially a guy his age. Uh, I thought he played very well the other day. If you look at all the goals, I wouldn't put any of them on him. Um, made a couple of key stops when we needed him. So I don't know if there's necessarily a grade, but he won the hockey game. That's his job. He gave us a chance to win. No bad goals. So I always look at that as a, a real positive uh, performance. When Laurent Brossois is healthy, is there any chance you guys would carry three goalies, or is there going to have to be a decision there if all three are healthy? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think Kelly will, will, will determine that. Roster and cap are his area. Um, and I think ideally it's never great when you have three for an extended period of time, but you've got to you know, manage your assets and, and see what you have as well. So some of that might be performance-driven. Dri- Where are the other two? Um, and, you know, kind of go from there. I think that, that's probably the, the best answer is I don't know. Um, we'll do what we ever have to do, do right, to, like I said, to, to manage our guys and um, at the end of the day uh, figure out the best solution, and that will probably be two at some point. Bruce Cassidy with us, head coach of the Gold Knights. Their home opener is tonight against Chicago. Uh, do you have an expectation on when Nick Haig would make his debut? Yeah, he's going in tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you so, go. <laughs> wait no longer, fellas. <laughs> I was <gonna> say. <laughs> uh, what? I, I'm curious when when you have a player. How's that for an expectation? <laughs> yes, right there. That there works. You go. You're expecting a lot. Uh, <laughs> when you have a player that uh, is you know holding out and he wants a different contract, the head coach's role in that because obviously that's a front office player uh, type of situation. 
What exactly is your role when Nick Hague well, is not there? Yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. You know, I haven't gone through it a lot. I communicated with Nick when he was, he was here skating in August, so we, we talked a bit about style of play and just introducing each other, et cetera. Um, who, you know, who he played with most of the year before, you know, just getting to know a guy. Uh, and then he, he leaves, and you're thinking, well, it'll get done, it'll get done. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, a couple of texts on how you're doing, um, you know, uh, stay, stay busy, and hopefully this gets resolved. But you kind of stay out of it. That's the business side of hockey. I think John Stevens, uh, I know John Stevens, our assistant coach who runs the D, was in contact with him a little bit more with some video uh, from preseason games, et cetera, and, and give him some, something to do while he was there to, to kind of watch how we're playing because he knows the other guys, right? So he's played with them all. So that's what we did with him, and um, all of a sudden it's resolved. I mean, it's he's in tonight, so there's no concern in terms of the system and what he, how, how quickly he'll adapt? Well, I mean, yes and no, but he's got to go in at some point, right? I mean, we can practice it um, again tomorrow, but then we play Saturday, right? So he's going to have to get in there and, and, and feel his way through it, make his mistakes like everyone else, learn from him, and go from there. So, um, you know, effort and execution's on him. That won't change no matter how we play. You know, make sure you bring that. And then um, reading the plays down low, again, he'll, he'll have to you know, learn his way like everyone else has up to this point. We weren't perfect in L.A. We're getting better. I think every you can see progress in terms of the guy's reads on the ice and kind of our switches and handoffs are happening a little cleaner. Um, he'll go through that as well. Uh, what did you think the Kings were doing at the end of that game as they held the puck behind the net and then suddenly tried to have a break out there in the last 30 seconds? Yeah, you know, I think they, you know, the, I can't get in the, I think it was Jersey's head, but, Part of him was probably like, well, I can wait this out. We'll get our point. We'll get into overtime. Um, or maybe I'll try to catch him sleeping, and I'll, I'll try to make a quick strike play. Um, Petro was on his toes, made a really good play in the neutral zone, and all of a sudden it backfired on him. So, um, I haven't, you know, it was a little bit odd, to be honest with you, how it all played out, but it worked out well in our favor, so I'm happy. Is there, uh, is there like a time on the clock that you think is too much time to try to run out behind your own net well, and play for overtime? You know, the, the funny part is sometimes the ref will tell you to get moving, to keep the game moving, hmm. right? Um, so he might have been. I, I, I didn't have the – you can see in the, when you watch the video after, the ref is in the corner, the official. But I don't know if he's speaking to him. If that was the middle of the game, I bet he would have been for sure. Hey, let's get this thing moving. Um, maybe time and score, they allowed him to sort of milk it a little bit. But um, I know that in the past they'll try to encourage um, plays like that to, to, to sort of get, get going because no one wants to sit there and watch that. What's your ex- uh, expectations for Phil Kessel? Uh, help us win, contributing offense, uh, make our power play better. He's, he's more of a playmaker than a goal scorer now, I would say. Um, you know, he certainly has the ability to beat goaltenders with a shot. His foot speed is still excellent. Um, right now he's playing with Jack and Eichel and Smith, so he's in a good situation there. We'll see how that plays out. Good chemistry in preseason. Uh, made a lot of plays to Jack. Um, and right now we're, we're going to try to run with that. If it doesn't work out, we'll see if he fits somewhere else. But Phil seems to be in a good place. Uh, he's a good player, obviously. Uh, two Stanley Cups, so bring some experience to the room. He's practiced well for us, so he's done what we've asked. He's been good. Uh, before we let you go, Bruce, uh, did you happen to get your own little gold statue of your own face? I did. I, 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 my own face, I'm not sure, but it, it's a gold statue. It has my name on it, so we're going to enjoy it. I gave one to my, 
<laughs> a couple of my buddies that were rolling through town yesterday. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a neat thing. See, that, <laughs> that's that's what I was thinking. I don't know if I'd want one of me, but, like, if one of my friends had a little gold bust, I would absolutely want one of those just to keep and have. Yeah, it would be great. Yeah, my wife's in charge of that. <laughs> well, uh, She'll distribute them as she sees fit. She know. couldn't have been happy with the rankings on the handsome coaches. Who Who did those things? Yeah, I don't know if she ever saw those. What so, a disaster anyway. that was! <laughs> yeah, well, you know, nowhere to go but up. <laughs> no, not for, not for you. The, the, top, the top guys. I don't know how they got up there. Maybe it was a little tug and cheek. Who knows? <laughs> well, he is Bruce Cassidy, head coach of the Golden Knights. Bruce, we appreciate your Thank time. Thank you, this Bruce. Morning. Good luck tonight. All right. Thanks, fellas. Thanks uh, so, Bruce Cassidy, uh, Golden Knights again playing tonight against Chicago. Did you see those rankings? Uh, I didn't study. I don't even know where the Bruce Cassidy at the ranks. Top. Saying they're ugly? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't want to say that out loud. I just it's the most handsome coaches. I was like the guys at the top. I mean, was it superimposed? Was there some kind of 3D I was missing? I don't know. I I did. I'll I'll look up in the break and see what yes, the actual please look up. were, and I'll see if you if we can agree or not. So there's Bruce Cassidy, Nick Haig in the lineup tonight. That was great. When yeah. do you expect? I expect them tonight. <laughs> So Nick Hague will be playing, uh, only missing one game. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. How was the game? Not very good. Have you ever seen a good hockey game? No, me neither. I love sports. I just can't get next to hockey. Bischoff's Briefs. See, I think Americans like to savor situations. One down, bottom of the ninth, one run game, first and third, left-handed batter, right-hand reliever, infield a double play depth. Here's the pitch. Bischoff's Briefs. What's going in hockey? It seems to come out of nowhere. The play-by-play guy is always shocked. Le Petier passes to Huckenshuck, who skates past the blue line. Huckenshuck, of course, was traded from Winnipeg for a case of Labatt's after sitting out last season with, oh my God, he scores! Bischoff's Briefs. Well, did you look it up? What was I supposed to look up? The coaches on the on the handsome. No, list. I did not. I got distracted by other things. Oh, I guess we can't go back to you and ask if I'm right. We'll do that tomorrow. Remind me. That can be Bischoff's Reefs tomorrow. Um, first off, Yankees Guardians postponed until tomorrow. Uh, they're trying to get ahead of inclement weather that's going to be in the area tonight, apparently, which means. There will be two full days off between games one and two for those two teams. Helps pitching. It does not help pitching because doesn't now... Doesn't help the starters that were in game one? There will be four straight games if it goes to but five. You could still come back on... You could still come back in five. Right. If you're Garrett Cole. Right. But it means they're going to have to play four straight games, which means your bullpen potentially... Could be taxed. ...is going to get... Again, if it goes five. Right. Yankees could win in three or something, and it's a, a non-issue. But, yeah, now you – because here's the thing. You go into a series knowing the off days, and that sort of helps create your plan for – the like the Astros use their probable game four starter out of the bullpen in game one because there's he'll be on full rest for game right. four. So, like, you sort of make a plan, and then when the off days get changed – Dusty made a plan? Well, they have good pitching coaches. They okay. probably brought the plan to Dusty and <laughs> okay, said, hey. Dusty's like, here's who's what, a, who, here's, what's his name? Right. Here's what we would like you to do today, Dusty. And he says, all right, I'll consider it. <laughs> and then he just does it. Yeah. Then does something uh, maybe on his own. So, want to do some hockey on Bischoff's Reefs. First off, I have a prediction for you. Phil Kessel will have more penalty minutes this year than he will have points. Oh, that's a hot take. 
That has happened once in his NHL career. It was his second year in the NHL. But I am predicting Phil Kessel more penalty minutes this year than That is a hot take for Bischoff's Reese. He's off to a good start for my side of it. Four penalty minutes, zero points after the first game of the season. And I think that that will, at the end of the year, continue. More penalty minutes than points for Phil Kessel. He's actually done that time in his career? It was his second year in the NHL, like 300 years ago. And I th- I want to say he didn't, it was like a 40 game season, not season, but he only played 40 games right. in the season or something like that. Uh, so yes, he has done it once before, but it was way back in his second year in the NHL. I'm going to doubt that seriously. More I'll, penalty I'll... minutes than points right. this year. That's what's going to happen. Danny, save the tape. Degenerate Danny. Oh yeah. That's what's going to happen. More penalty minutes than points. Also in the NHL, Matias Samuelson. Signed a seven-year deal yesterday with the Buffalo Sabres. Seven years, $30 million. That comes out to $4.28 million per year. Matias Samuelson is 21 years old. He's a defenseman who has played 54 games in his career. He has not scored a goal in those 54 games. He does have 12 assists. He is a defensive defenseman, though. They're not signing him to score goals but he hasn't actually scored a goal yet in his career, but he's 21 and has played 54 games and just got a seven year deal for 4.3 million per year. Uh, Jay fresh, a guy on Twitter does a lot of hockey analytics. He has fun little player cards. Every time a player signs with a team, he'll sort of tell you if that's, you know, a good value based on what they've done and what he projects them to do. He tweeted it's not often that there is not enough sample size to post a stat card of a player who gets a seven-year extension. So the Sabres giving this guy seven years when he's played 54 games is the Sabres saying, we think he's going to be pretty good, and we're going to lock him up now. The comparison to make is Nick Hague. Nick Hague is 23, two years older than Matias Samuelson, but Nick Hague has played 142 career games in the NHL. That is almost three times more the amount of games than Matias Samuelson has played. And again, Samuelson is not an offensive defenseman, but he has not scored a goal in the NHL. Nick Hague has scored 10 in triple the amount of games. Nick Hague signed a three-year deal where he is getting paid $2.29 million a season. Nick Hague almost got half of what Matias Samuelson is getting on a per year basis. And Nick Haig has a significantly better NHL track record than Matias Samuelson. He's got a better card. Yes, because he's actually played 142 games and not 54 in his career. Now, there's obvious team differences here. Buffalo is not very good. The Golden Knights... We'll see how good they are, but the Golden Knights are expecting to be good, and the Golden Knights have some serious cap issues. But in all seriousness, Nick Hague should have demanded a trade. He might not have gotten it. The Golden Knights might have laughed at him, but Matias Samuelson is getting $4.3 million a year. Nick Hague had to hold out to get 2.3. Yeah, he but should- did he know Matias was going to get this? Didn't this just happen? Yesterday? It did. It did happen after Nick Hague signed. Right. But that is that blows Nick Hague's contract so far out of the water that Nick Hague, hell, he should demand a trade now. Okay. Like, 
<laughs> Wait a bad one right he now. He can't. He's in tonight. He's in. He can't. can't. After he the can't. game tonight, when, when he scores a goal, he tonight? should walk in and say, Matias okay. Samuelson has zero goals. <laughs> I just outscored him tonight. I have 11. Put me, a, put me on a trade somewhere. Like, in all seriousness, massive underpay. If you're just comparing these two contracts, massive underpay for Nick Haig. Unbelievable underpay for Nick Haig to be in here for $2.3 million over the next three seasons. And again, this is not about Nick Haig being a superstar defenseman because he's he's not. He's going to be a third-pair defenseman who can conceivably play higher in the lineup if you need to because of injuries or somebody's not performing, whatever. But he's also still only 23. And that, to me, is the big thing. Like, Buffalo signed a guy that's 21, gave him seven years, gave him $4.3 million a year. Nick Haig's only two years older than that. Nick Haig's not 33. He's 23. Conceivably, if you're, you know, if you're the Golden Knights, if you're anybody with a guy that's 23, you're hoping that that guy gets a lot better. You're hoping that that guy, when he gets to 27, 28, is, you know, if you're Nick Hague and you're a third pair defenseman when he's 27, 28, hey, he's a second pair defenseman and he's pushing to be a top pair defenseman. But man, that is, if I'm Nick Hague today, I'm not very happy after seeing that Matias Samuelson contract. I don't think I'm very happy, but I mean, I signed the deal. You did. Absolutely. I mean, you signed the deal. But it was, I, I very much wonder how much Nick Haig's value was determined by the Golden Knights cap space. I think it had a lot to do with it. Like, if if Nick Haig was on a team that had $10 million in cap space, does Nick Haig get a deal that pays like him Matias? four? Like Does he get a deal, maybe not seven years, but does he get a deal that pays him $4 million a year? Like, if he's on whatever team that has $10 million in cap Buffalo. space. Yeah, Buffalo. Does he get a deal that pays him $4 million a year? After seeing the Samuelson contract, that doesn't sound I, outrageous that doesn't at all. doesn't sound crazy. So No, if he was if if he was Matias and he instead was on Buffalo, yeah. I think he would have gotten a lot more money. And the other part of this that, that maybe works against Nick Haig, or probably did work against Nick Haig, other teams could have offer-sheeted Nick Haig. Other teams could yes. have come in and tried to sign Nick Haig because uh, he was a restricted free agent. So another team could come in, Nick Hay could agree to a contract with him, and then the Golden Knights would, would have, have yeah, they could either match it or, or let, him go. let him go. But we've talked about this before. The When you sign a player to an offer sheet in the NHL, if you do actually sign the player, you have to give picks up. You mm-hmm. lose picks because of it, and it's based on how much you actually, uh, based on the salary of the player. So if you give them $10 million, I think it's four first-round picks. If you offer sheet a guy for ten million or more, and it go, it goes up from you know a million bucks all the way up to ten million. So for Nick Hague, it wouldn't have been too bad at two point two nine. But like if a team had come in and offer sheeted Nick Hague to a four million dollar deal, they would have been giving up picks. They might I think it might have been like a two seconds or something for that type of deal, which is a crazy price to pay for an offer sheet. Like the NHL absolutely needs to get rid well, of those. Well, that's why there aren't, there aren't many yeah, that it, are ever, ever signed. It almost never, never happens. happens in the NHL. Right. It, it happens sometimes in the NBA. Yeah, where there's also yeah. offer sheets. The Pacers just did it with DeAndre Ayton and now do the, the now do the offer match. sheets in the NBA include picks? No, no, the NBA does just an offer yeah, sheet. You just offer sheet them, and the team has to match or not match. You just take go take their player if they don't right. want to sign him. And the Pacers tried to do that with DeAndre Ayton and Phoenix match. The Suns match, so he's still right. in Phoenix. It, I know it it helps teams because it gives you more control over your assets, more control over your players where you're very unlikely to lose a guy who's a restricted free agent, but I the, the league would be much more interesting if you they removed those picks or at least made them severely less yeah. 
where it's like instead of giving well, up, you'd have first a lot more take. sheets being right. offered. And offer sheets are tremendous entertainment. They're fun. tremendous fun. Yeah, because you're waiting around to see if they're going to yeah, match or not. Because you, because uh, it's one team basically going in and trying to steal another team's right. player because they're a restricted free agent. They don't have a contract, but they're still under that team's control. They're tremendous fun, and I wish we could see more offer sheets. Make the offseason more fun. Hot take. Uh, last season, Matthias Samuelson was about the same as Nick Haig. They're on the same playing field. Yeah, but he doesn't score. Hmm. I mean, Nick Haig only had four goals. That's Four more. That is unmeasurably more than zero. But Samuelson <laughs> had the... He played less games. Same amount of assists, more hits. Okay, hits do not matter. What do you mean hits matter? Hits do not matter. Absolutely. That's what defensemen are for. Hits just mean you don't have the puck. Yeah. That's That's not a good thing. You want to have the, when you're on the ice, you want your team to have the puck. But when you hit a player, your chances of getting that puck go up. I'd actually, I actually don't think that's true. I just threw that out there. I don't know if that's I, true or I not, don't, but I'd assume I'll it's it true. No, I'll have to look it up. I don't think it's actually true that hits lead to puck possession. Because a lot of times you hit the guy without the puck. Like, that's the problem. Like, all of Braden yeah, McNabb. after they pass well, yeah, a lot of, a lot of times McNabb's, you're near, a, lot, a lot of times Braden McNabb neutral zone is not near the puck. Well, uh, Braden McNabb hits the guy a second after he passes it. That's yeah. a lot of times what happens. And he crushes the guy all the time, but he doesn't win the puck back. He just took that guy out of the play yeah. for a few seconds, which can be helpful, but not as good as, you know, just having the puck. That's pretty good. All right, coming up next, J.R. Starkis joins the show. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkis. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Starkis. He's your director of business development, Southern Glaze Wine Spirits in Nevada, mixologist extreme, Instagram at J.R. Makes Drinks. You were a little worried that Bruce Cassidy would run into your time, weren't you? Oh, no, man, I'm, I'm glad he didn't. You know, it's, it's, as long as you guys have, this, as long as he has his priorities straight, and he understands that like 9:30, it's my time. Like, I know. You're the new guy to town. Yeah. I own the 9:30. Like, don't right. start thinking you're running this over. <laughs> he was on at nine, Jr. <laughs> it's not like he was on at 9:25. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, sometimes you guys and we can all get excited about talking to the new coach for a while. You know, the information <laughs> starts rolling. Next thing you know, you're like, oh, dang, I got to get JR on the line. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm glad he, you know, I'm, I'm sure you had a, pre- a pre-call discussion with him when, uh, you know, you guys called him and said, hey, by the way, we're going to have to cut this short. We got to prep for our next Yeah, guy. I think that's the first you know? thing we said. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to start booking Good. a 920 guest every Thursday. Yeah, make a 928, brother. Like, why not? You know, let's, let's do something real quick. I'm going to bring him on with you. Uh, all right. Are you... Uh, how much have you enjoyed watching the uh, playoffs in baseball? Or are you going to sit here and tell me you haven't gotten into it yet? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, uh, I, I was actually in fu- furious yesterday when the game was delayed. I was like, come on, <laughs> let's go. Like, now I'm going to have to switch back and forth between two games. Like, that's the part that, like, I want to watch and I want to invest in the game, right? So, like, with playoff baseball, like, you know, I get, like, certain aspects of sports when there's – you know, like, you know, there's, you know, you, during a regular season, you have three or four games on and you have them on DVDs because it's, it's and with all, you know, it doesn't really, that one game is great if you have money on it, but it, it doesn't really matter in a 162 game schedule, right? Same thing for, you know, maybe a little bit of NFL football when you have all the money on these different games, maybe you're watching, but come the playoffs, like, 
when you have two games on at the same time and you want to watch every play and every pitch, it becomes frustrating when they overlap like that. So switching back and forth, you know, like between the Dodger game and the Phillies game last night was, um, it was, it was aggravating because I just want to, I want to pay attention. Then you miss something. I don't want to miss anything. Do you believe Ed should be worried? Uh, yes, I do oh, believe Ed should be worried. Um, and I'm all, only saying that because he's on the line. If it was just you and I today, Tyler, I would be telling him. <laughs> no, no, no. I should be. I should be. No, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, the better team is clearly wearing brown, um, as you can tell by the, the uh, you know, they're pitching <laughs> and they're hitting like, no, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, the Dodgers are too good. Um, they're, they're watching them play. Like, you can't hit the ball out of the park every single time. I mean, but you got to tell me, like, what last night in the ninth inning when, you know, Freddie Freeman hits a double, you're like, oh, here we go. Like, I, I said it. I was like, this is it. They're going to tie the game, and then they're going to walk it off. Like, they just do this type of stuff. But I will say I did, in your honor, yell at the television last night in the fifth inning when they pull out Kershaw, and I'm like, ah, typical, typical uh, vintage, uh, vintage move here by our, our friends with the Dodgers, like pulling out a guy who's dealing pretty good, um, they pull him out and then go right to the bullpen, and then immediately it just it goes it collapses in his face. Dave Robertson pitching, it doesn't usually go together. Gosh, man, it's it's so now frustrating he's going to Gonsolin watch that. tomorrow. Say it again. He's going Gonsolin tomorrow, who's pitched about two innings in the last six months. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's a smart move. It's they have no they have no uh, intel on him. They have never they haven't seen him in six months. No, exactly. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Padres are very sharp, concerned. You know? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Jared, what are you making us uh, to watch some postseason baseball this weekend? Yeah, so I want, you know, I was thinking about my drink this weekend. I was like, dang, I haven't done a drink with scotch in a long time. So um, I wanted to do a scotch cocktail for you. And, you know, scotch is, is, can be an acquired taste to some people. And most people think of if I'm drinking a scotch, it's usually, if it's a blended scotch, like a Dewar's or a Johnny Walker Black, it's scotch and soda. Um, or on the rocks or something like that, or water. And if it's a single malt scotch, a lot of people are drinking it neat or just over ice. And frankly, scotch makes great cocktails as well and, and, and because there's such a palette of flavor to base your drink off of, right? There's so many flavors happening in any scotch, and any scotch drinker will tell you this, that there's just so many things happening in that whiskey that it's, it's, it's pretty easy to base a drink off of it. Uh, but you don't see it too often be made into cocktails, unfortunately. Uh, so what I wanted to do today is uh, I wanted to make a scotch cocktail, and I'm going to use Palace for 10-year-old um, scotch. It's a single malt scotch from the Isle of Skye, which is um, off the coast of Scotland. Uh, it's one of, I believe, two distilleries on the island, and it, it, it makes a slightly peatier, smoky style of scotch. Um, there is a lot of maritime influence because of its proximity to the water. So you get a lot of these salty kind of briny notes when you're really dissecting the whiskey, drinking it by itself because of where it's aged for the length of time it's aged and being that close to the sea and the type of air and uh, climate there, the terroir, if you will, it, it lends to that style of scotch. So we're going to use an ounce and a half of talus for 10-year-old. You can really use your favorite scotch for this, whatever that may be. Um, but I like this whiskey here because it's very flavorful and it plays well with the ingredients that I'm adding afterwards, which is an ounce of Domaine de Canton, a ginger liqueur. Um, it's, it's got some sweetness to it. It adds a lot of ginger flavor, slight a bit of spice. Um, and you'll typically find those flavors when you taste Talisker, the ginger notes. I'm adding an ounce of pineapple juice. I'm adding this for roundness of, on the palate. I'm also adding it to add a little bit of additional sweetness. 
then I'm adding a half of an ounce of fresh lemon juice. Um, that fresh lemon juice will help to cut through the sweetness of the pineapple and the canton without having to add any additional, like, simple syrup or anything like that. I'm adding a couple dashes of aromatic bitters uh, to kind of accent the, the cocktail to bring forward the flavors of the scotch and the ginger and the pineapple in the drink. So five ingredients total, one and a half ounces of Talisker 10, one ounce Domaine de Canton ginger, one ounce of pineapple, half of an ounce of fresh lemon juice, two dashes of bitters. You're going to take all those ingredients, add them to a shaking tin, shake it with ice, strain it over the ice from your refrigerator, or if you have like a large cube or sphere or something like that, I prefer that. Strain it over a large cube in a rough glass. The garnish I did was a, um, I, I found them at the grocery store. It was basically a dehydrated pineapple wheel that had been crusted with kind of like a uh, chili, almost like a tahinish style seasoning. So um, it, it goes well with that drink. So you could almost take a bite of your garnish and take a sip of your cocktail um, and, and, and enjoy the games. It's really a great cocktail for, for, the, for any time, but especially as we move into the fall. How many of your drinks uh, that you love include scotch? Because you haven't done, like you said, you haven't done scotch in a while, uh, either at home enjoying yourself or, or, or other times. So, you know, it's, I do it more for myself than anybody else because, I, you know, it, it, truth be told, in the scheme of a cocktail menu in, in a restaurant, let's say, right. like it's not your best seller, right? And so when you have limited space on a cocktail menu, a lot of the time when you're deciding like, all right, which drink are we going to cut? It's usually the scotch cocktail because not too many people in our environment here in Las Vegas are coming to Vegas to have a scotch cocktail. Some do, but it's typically not your best seller. So with that valuable real estate on a cocktail menu, it's, it's not there often, and it's not often that I'm asked to procure a scotch cocktail for somebody. Um, rest assured, though, if you go to any great cocktail bar that actually knows what they're doing, they should be able to do a scotch cocktail for you, no problem. It's just generally not your most popular, but I love them. Uh, what is the best alcohol to spray in the dugout after clinching a series in baseball? I mean, besides champagne? Right. We always see champagne, but is there something you would prefer over that? Well, no. Well, I mean, there's a lot of sparkling things out there. I mean, that, those work well to, quote-unquote, spray, right? Because if you, it needs to have carbonation to it, so, so it does spray like that. Um, yeah, I think, I think champagne would probably be the best if you wanted to kind of have that, that spray effect because you're not going to be able to do that with vodka or anything like that unless you get, like, you see these, sometimes they have these, like, they're like guns, if you will, and they're, they're the champagne guns. You can squirt what looks like a squirt gun, but it's got a bottle of champagne <laughs> attached to it. Those are kind of fun. What is, least, that. What is least likely to burn your eyes? <laughs> uh, probably, like, beer um, because it's, the alcohol level's low. And the higher the alcohol level, the more I would imagine it would burn your eyes. So I would stay away from some of these, uh, yeah, stay away from vodka, something like that. But the, the, the champagne will get to you because there's a little bit of acidity in it. That's why they wear the goggles. But plus, you don't, you don't want it in your eyes anyway. But I would say probably beer would be the least likely to really burn your eyes. It would just be sticky and gross. So the Padres better stock up on the brews. Oh, my God. Ed, yeah. calm yeah. down yeah. over there. Yeah. Calm better, down. Better stock up on the brews, JR. One loss to uh, the Padres I mean, in like a decade. I think they're going to be okay. Ed. Like, I mean, as long as long as uh, the bats don't fall asleep, which I don't think they will. There's just too many dudes in the lineup. Um, I think you're going to be just fine. He's I would worry against Astros, though. That's uh, why would you worry? Just Jordan Alvarez <laughs> is coming up three or four times tonight. They'll be fine. He is Jr. Starkus, extreme mixologist. Jr. As always, we appreciate thank you, it. buddy.
You got a guy. We won't have anyone run into your spot. (laughs) (laughs) So there's J.R. Stark at Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. All right. We got one last giveaway today. Two tickets for Bonkers Comedy this Saturday night at the Suncoast Hotel and Casino featuring the best comics from TV and the movies. Shows at 7 and 9.30. Your tickets, uh, you can pick which one, which showtime you want to go to. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll do caller number 5 at 702-364-1100. You'll win two tickets for Bonkers Comedy at the Suncoast. Be caller number 5 right now. Tyreek and the captains decided that, you know, they wanted to take a step forward with uh, all of their opponent prep with regard to the team and their preparation with our game plans in general. So that, so he made the move to take the ping pong tables out of the locker room. That to me is leadership. To me, leadership is acting, not talking. There's a bunch of different examples from those guys, and that's why they're captains, and that's why I rely on them, because it's, it's about solving problems, um, not complaining about them. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Danny, do you have the cheating laws in the state of Nevada to tell us if Ed Graney is going to prison or not? <laughs> the only thing I could come up with was uh, gambling cheating. But... Well... I didn't have the ten year olds gambling. Do you do we need actual laws? I feel like the casinos take care of that themselves. Yeah, yeah there's cheating. a there's a gaming police. <laughs> yes. Like we don't need it but we don't need it like actually written into laws. Just let the casinos handle right. it themselves. But they're so Ed's not in danger. I don't think my players would turn Did no, you cross state okay. lines and do this, Ed? Uh, where did we play? We played all over California, Arizona. We Uh-oh. played everywhere. Those are federal charges. <laughs> <laughs> you took children across state lines and, and had, had them cheat at softball. Yeah. I don't cheating, know if it's though. cheating. I it's think it's not. more gamesmanship. It is. You can steal signs. Yeah. Stealing signs is perfectly legal. Yeah. I mean, you're going to make it so obvious that the runner on second can know what pitch is coming. Yeah. Now, granted, you're what were you coaching? Nine years old? Nine year olds? Oh, this went into 14. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting, I don't think, complicated a- signs for the. 10-year-old on the mound who throws... No, 14s you did. You had sequences and stuff. You? So what? you had to pick that up. But, like, the sequence is, like, the third one or the first one after you put down two or something like that. It's not a complicated sequence for 14-year-olds. Mm. Was it complicated? I mean, we had a complicated sequence. I had I had numbers, and then I had, like, two, four, one, and then I'd touch my ear in my head, and she'd have to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the indicator? The indicator was two. Okay. So whatever came after two? Whatever came after two. Yeah, see? It's not that complicated. I mean, the runner on second's probably not going to pick that up, but... Danny, he forgets we won the national title in 14s. <laughs> That's pretty good. Some of the, yes. some of those calls are, like, super blatant, or, like, they're very noticeable, too, because, like, when I'm covering games, I'll hear a coach get very frustrated and just, like, uh, now a lot of the teams that I'm watching... They call numbers instead of hand signals, and they all have, like, sheets on their arms. What do we get in the earpieces in 14-year-old softball? I don't know. Get them in the, get them in the visors? But I once, <laughs> uh, I once heard a coach call the same number four straight pitches. So, it's, I mean, it's not hard. After that, you're like, okay, this number means this. The girl can't Let's hit. Go. She can't hit. Throw the same well, thing yeah. over well, and, and it over. Was, it was to the batter, though, and the, the call was for the batter to bunt. Oh. <laughs> and and the coach is literally just 11, 11 every what, pitch. What? There were four chances to bunt? 
Yeah. Pitcher Did she square it? Pitcher square up at all? She try? Yeah, she squared up, but a lot of them were like pitches. And then one time she didn't square up, and the coach got really angry and walked oh. halfway down to the batter's box and oh. yelled the number. Tyler was, like, was just disowned just for bunting. Oh yeah, there would there would have been no signal for bunt, no signal for bunt, not a chance. Oh, would not even bunted. putting that in. Softball, you bunt. Oh, it was, it was hysterical because the third baseman walked all the way up and was standing probably eight feet from the batter's box, and the coach is still telling her to bunt at third base. It's like, all right, you bunt just, for a hit in softball. Just say that you want to get out of this game. When it's one one, and I've got a girl on deck who was uh, now playing at a Pac twelve school, I'm bunting to get moving a runner. Nah, what's the girl in front of? <laughs> Who's in front of her? You got a? What's your batting order? A really good bunter. <laughs> <laughs> Let her swing and practice. She'll figure it out. <laughs> Stop the bunting over here. I am uh, distracted because I'm watching a soccer game uh, that is taking place inside the Arctic Circle. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, it's a team in Norway, and they're really? located inside the Arctic Circle. So, mm. never mind. What? Okay. All right. Yeah. That's awesome. Is that awesome? Yes. That's it's pretty I think cool. it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool. It's very cool. The United well, it's States, cold, but I just think it's kind of cool that they would play there. The United States' number one goalie is one of the goalies in this game. He's also the one that got frostbite on his feet because they played in Canada. Ooh. So what's playing he, in Norway gonna is probably What's going to happen to him now? I don't know. It's not, I don't, it doesn't look that cool. This guy's not wearing any sleeves. What's the uh, countdown to the World Cup? Don't like you have it by like minutes weeks? or seconds? No, I don't. It's, I don't. I think it's what, November Middle of 11th? November. I think yeah. it's eleventh or twelfth, something like that. Middle of November. We're gonna be at a, we're gonna be out and about, Jared. Hopefully, they're trying to sell us to where we're out at some Black bar, Friday, some, some bar, the crack of dawn. We are not gonna be out there on Black Friday, Danny. We're not doing a show on Black Friday. Black Friday's USA versus England. Yeah, but we are not doing a show on Black Friday. No, day after Thanksgiving. We get like eight holiday days a year, Danny. No, we're not taking one of them off. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just sit and watch England and the United States. And that's going to be great. Jared and I are doing it. Let's yeah. go. Go for it. I won't care. 